From being picked 14th in the Big 12 to finishing 2023 with nine wins, West Virginia football surprised a lot of people. We break down their season and more on this episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It has been a long time, obviously. I think we say that a lot here. Um, But Happy New Year to everyone. It is a lovely Thursday day here in Morgantown. And with that comes an opportunity to talk about West Virginia football and putting a bookend on their 2023 season. I am joined by Patrick Renau, of course. And we are joined by first-time guest Ryan Roddy. Everyone go say hello to Ryan on Twitter at Roddy Bomb, R-O-D-D-Y Bomb. Uh, but let's just break down what I went down. So last time we talked was before the bowl game, and the Mountaineers went out and beat North Carolina in convincing fashion, 30-10. to 10. They got to win number nine. They got Manny's on Neil Brown, and they therefore have a lot of positive momentum heading into 2024. Obviously, that's the year we are in now. Michigan just wrapped up winning the national championship on Monday. Texas, the Big 12 champion, lost in the semifinal round. And now the old Big 12 is out. The new Big 12 is in. And I think what we'll get into is how that serves an opportunity for a school like West Virginia. But let's just start with the obvious. And I think the obvious is at the quarterback position. And... Before the season, we did not know what we were going to get from this position. We did not know. We technically did have a quarterback battle, and Garrett Green kind of won it, and he ran away with it. And there's a lot to like going into 2024. And I'll start with you, Patrick, of just what did you like from Green the most, and what what do you think he has to get better at heading into next season? Um, I think the thing that I liked from Green the most was his decision-making, not a very turnover-prone quarterback, um, finished the season with just four interceptions, and then um, fumble-wise, I'm not really sure. I'm not he really sure the he ball fumbled. Up. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that really stood out was just his decision-making, a guy that hadn't really – his game action was sporadic up until this year. You know, Neil would throw him in every so often for a quarterback run or something. But coming into this year, his decision-making was really good. Um, but the one thing I do want to see him improve on are those short intermediate throws. It seems like those were the things that he kind of – those were a coin flip on whether he hit them or not. Sometimes he'd throw the ball too hard. Sometimes he'd throw it too soft. Sometimes he just – he wouldn't hit the guy. But – um, overall, really good season from Garrett Green and a lot to look forward to from him next year. Yeah, I think there's there's obviously the mechanics of trying to do these seven-yard-ish in that area throws. There was a lot of – I think there he can still get better at that touch aspect of not having to throw your fastball every time. You can throw a changeup or two in there. But I really agree. I think that he surprised a lot of people, and that kind of helped this team go. Ryan, I'll go to you. What was your biggest surprise of this team in 2023? I would have to say one of the freshmen, I'd probably go with Jaheim White, you know, really just first onto the scene after that uh, UCF game. 
it was noted that it was a change in his body language when honestly, if, if it's small changes like that can lead to an increased role and that much production from a guy like him, then let's keep making those changes. Patrick, what about you? Um, I'd say the biggest takeaway from this season or surprise was um, Beanie Bishop coming in wasn't really projected to be that first team All-American that he was. Um, he was a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. If West Virginia needed a turnover, you were hearing Beanie Bishop's name some, in some way or some form. So that was the big takeaway. I mean, him himself had more interceptions than the whole team did last year. Yeah, I, th- I think let's go. Let's start with Jaheim and then I'll bounce to Beanie. I think for me, for Jaheim, it's kind of like you needed someone to fill that void because you just needed playmakers to kind of show themselves and show up on offense, and he did that. And to you, Patrick, I don't think if you had told us that a guy on his third team in three years in his sixth year of college football, a guy who bounces like that, around like that is not supposed to be a consensus 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 excuse me all american and and he was and he was a difference maker on the field and you could you could kind of feel the leadership level he had in that locker room and when you have a secondary that struggled as much as they did in 2022 and now there's going to be some level of turnover from 2023 to 2024 Having a guy like Beanie who you can show and tell people, look who we developed, look what he turned into, as well as he kind of groomed your next wave of young guys. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's huge for the program. And for Jaheim, like you get another year or two out of him at least, possibly. You don't know what will happen with the transfer portal, obviously, but he was one of, if not the best freshman offensive player in the country by many standards. And so you get that kind of production back that's that's just super key to me and i i think the biggest part of this season in this season's story is where they started versus where they finished and we heard all the 14 i think patrick you and i even talked about that we might be in october and talking about who's the next head coach of west virginia football and now there is no Mm -hmm. question and i think that really points to what neil brown has built and while everyone can say yes the first four years weren't fun and while there's a lot of pointing fingers and question marks raised around that I think there's something that is worth said about when you can kind of have that time to build in your culture and bring in your people and develop those people and then you can kind of use the portal to fill in holes where you think it's best that that kind of pays dividends and Neil had his guy in Garrett and it worked and Mm -hmm. Neil had his guy in Chad Scott at all, at OC and it worked. And this is comes a year after he thought he had to go outside of the building to get your OC, to get your quarterback. And it worked on offense this year. And I think the offense was a big piece because let's be real. We'd been looking around the last couple of years at, Oh, what is this offense really about? And it had been the defense so many times that had kept things close, but the offense just couldn't score enough points. This team was putting up points like nobody's business throughout the year. And to me, that was a very big surprise. Yeah, it's one thing that was really noticeable in this year compared to past years. Um, the difference of having a mobile quarterback makes in this offense. Um, Daigie was not able to move very well. JT wasn't able to move very well. Then you bring in a guy like Garrett Green who can move and the offense is able to just flow so much smoother. And I think even Neil said it at one point um 
you know, they're just going to stick with a mobile QB for as long as he's here. They're just going to have to go mobile QB because that's how this offense works best is with a guy who can get outside the pocket and make a play with his legs. And that was something that was really lacking before. Then you bring it into this year, TCU, your leading rusher is Garrett Green. Oklahoma State, your leading rusher is Garrett Green. I don't think that happened. Even against North Carolina, he was the leading rusher. I don't think that happened once um, in the past four years that the QB was the leading rusher. And I think to that point as well, and Ryan, you can add on after this, is that there just was never the threat of the run from the quarterback. And even the threat of it, like even when he was banged up against TCU, yeah, he ran a bunch against TCU, but even just the idea of, oh, his legs could burn us, that Mm -hmm. that kind of creeps in defenders' minds as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the only downside to that is he was taking a lot of hard hits during the season, and Neil was even talking about that. Like, maybe just be a little smarter in the decision-making, you know, getting down, not taking those hits, but Green's a gritty quarterback. He'll take those hits for his team. Yeah, it's and it's weird how he gets hurt, but it's not really like a big hit that hurts him. It was kind of like, like he just gets rolled up on. It wasn't like a, oh, my gosh, type of vicious hit, you know? So I think there's, there's some of that too, but – Green's a competitor, and I think if you watch this team, this team was fun to watch because of Six as your quarterback because he never, you never thought you were really out of it because he would try so hard on every single play no matter what the score was, and I think that was impressive. But let's move on to kind of big-picture stuff, and that big-picture stuff is turning momentum from 2023 into momentum for 2024. So nine wins after you were picked last in the Big 12. The Big 12's changing. You're losing your two top dogs to the SEC in Texas and Oklahoma. You are now ranked top 25 in the postseason coaches poll. Just missed out of it in the AP poll. But people know about West Virginia now. And Ryan, I'll start with you here. And then Patrick, you can go right after him of, do we think that now that there's a level of expectation, what do we think that does to this team? I think it just brings a whole lot of hype and and it just really builds on the culture that Neil Brown has been trying to build here, you know, trust the climb, you know, I think these players really bought into that and the ones that are staying, the ones that have committed to the country roads trust already have, have seen that and they're looking forward to doing that with him next season. I think the big thing is just keeping the momentum going Um, excitement wise too, with this team, you've got transfers coming in, You've still got the recruits that are going to come in. And then to go along with that, who knows what's going to happen when that spring transfer window rolls around. But the other difference is under Neil, last season coming into it, there was a lot of hype coming into the season, brought in JT Daniels. But you ended the season before on a sour note with a really bad-looking bowl game against Minnesota. But now you're coming into a season with the hype with the excitement, but this time you're ending, you're coming in off of a three game winning streak to end your season. Yeah. I also think for me, it's like this team really has never had a target on its back under Neil Brown. Now there's going to be some level of target. And then how do you Mm -hmm. therefore deal with that? And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And that's going to kind of test that culture to a sense of what do we do now that we're expected to compete with Penn state? I don't think there was an expectation week one of this year that this team was going to go into happy Valley and keep it close. There is an expectation now that week one, not to win necessarily, but to keep it close with what will be a, probably a top 12 team in the country 
when August 31st rolls around. And I think that's a big component to all of this is that you have to find ways now to be competitive with the better teams in the country. You prove that you can beat the middling teams in the Big 12, teams in, that are in the bottom two-thirds, three-fourths of the conference, just based off where you finished, right? However, now how can you push yourself to that upper echelon and kind of take that next step? And I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I just think for me that that's the biggest thing of now how can you advance to the next step and advance to a spot where you are not just beating the teams you're supposed to beat, but you're hanging with teams that you might not be favored against and you are beating some of those top 25 teams in the country. Well, yeah, you look back to the week one game against Penn State, score says 38-15, but I felt like the game was a whole lot closer in the first three quarters. I, I think that West Virginia really hung in with the Nittany Lions. But, and for next week, for uh, next year, sorry, um, week one, possible game day. I mean, the only other competitor would be Georgia Clemson, which might be at a neutral site. But, hey, might have McAfee here. Yeah, it's going into that, uh, the, like Wesley said, the expectation, just keep it close. And then even with what Ryan said, it was a close game throughout the first half and then once they pulled away the 38-15 looks a little more respectable but I mean at the same time Penn State scored with six seconds, six left. seconds left so you know a 31-15 loss really but just you got to beat the teams that um, you're supposed to beat and then steal a couple on the road like they did this year because you know, when we did our record predictions, I don't think we had at TCU as a win. I don't know if we I don't know if we had at UCF as a win. The away games are what scared us this year. But now, you know, you go in, you win most of those away games besides Houston and Oklahoma. Steal the ones on the road, win the ones at home is what is going to be the key for West Virginia next year. Yeah, I think the away game scared us, and I think there's going to be two sides to this. The away game scared us because West Virginia had not won away games or games away from home really at all under Neil Brown. And so that's why they scared us. And I think now you've proven that you can win on the road, prove you can mm -hmm. win away from home. Now it's, again, that next step, that that let's put it all together. Let's get all of these pieces in the right direction. But you're right, Patrick. Like We definitely talked about, oh, man, Trips to Fort Worth, trips to Orlando, those are those are tough trips. And mm -hmm. while one can make the argument that West Virginia's preseason schedule looks a lot different than their postseason schedule, but like you play the teams that are in front of you. And when we were talking about this team six months ago, we were like, holy cow, they've got a gauntlet in front of them. And now we're like, okay, we can see where some of the teams like kind of falter a little bit, but you you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and then you beat teams that at the beginning of the year we did not think they would beat. And I think that shows like you you go and try and win the games because that's why you play them. And West Virginia won the games that they kind of had to win. The exceptions Houston obviously on a free Hail Mary late, and then let's be real with ourselves: you are a fourth quarter of Ollie Gordon and a Hail Mary away from having ten or eleven wins and possibly playing in Dallas this year. And I think that is a huge step up, no matter which way you slice it, and that raises some level of expectation for 2024. Yeah, it's, I mean, you look at the schedule now and you see how good these teams ended up being, but there was a difference in 
this team this year and Neil Brown's coaching style this year to where there are games over the course of the last four years that I look at um, Texas Tech, TCU. I don't think Neil Brown goes and wins those ones. I don't think Neil Brown would have won at Baylor over the last this year if it were the same guys the last four years. But there was a difference with him and his coaching style this year. That's what really stood out to me. Ryan? Yeah, going back to that Baylor game, you were about like so close to to almost losing that game. Jaheim White, late touchdown. It's just the close games like that that really just make a difference in the season. Yeah, there, there, there are a lot of ways that I think we have seen West Virginia play this year that we just hadn't seen them play in the past. Two-minute drills, they were really good at this year, whether that be mm-hmm. end of half or end of game. They were – like. There are times in the past you just you just sometimes want to cover your eyes and be like, what are you going to do in the final minute 30? There's 50 seconds left. You trusted this team to kind of execute offensively. And I, I think we all should give Neil Brown credit here that he called plays this year. He took that responsibility and he delivered. And then some. he was creative. He was smart. He was intentional. There was a level of let's get people involved. Let's show things. I mean, first play of the bowl game when they have that shot to Traylon Ray, like you could see it building and building and building motion here, motion there. Oh, everyone expects us to run, 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 play action. Boom, beat them over the top. So there was just so many of those throughout the year where even if it wasn't executed, you could still see from afar of, wow, okay, that was really well designed. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier about these short and intermediate throws, Patrick, of now if you can raise that lower level of execution where your floor of execution is higher than where it was, I think the ceiling will continue to get higher just with pure development, and that really can take the top off for the offense. But let's transition a little bit um, into the final part of this and talk about who's staying and who's going. So, Obviously, you lose guys like Zach Frazier to the NFL, Malachi Ruffin to eligibility, and you've lost three guys, four guys-ish that are contributors, to, in a sense, to, to the transfer portal. Hershey McLaurin, Tommy Wadurajayi, Mike Lockhart, and Justin Johnson. I'd say the biggest loss there is probably Mike Lockhart. That's three years in a row you've lost that same position to the transfer portal. Justin Johnson, you know running backs are going to leave, especially with this crew that you got Um and Jaheim White coming on the scene didn't do him any favors by any means. Tomiwa was a little bit of a surprise. Um, he played well when he was in at times, but transferring twice in as many years, that might work itself out for him, hopefully. And then Hershey McLaurin, he played a bunch. They've talked about changing the schematics of this defense a little bit. You might think that that might have something to do with it, but at the end of the day, you just don't know. But I will say this, and then I'll go to Ryan and then Patrick on this. Like, they haven't lost people like we thought they would lose people. They haven't, um, and I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I'm not sure I can say like we thought they would lose people. They haven't lost people like they've lost people in the past. And you're a program that can sell nine wins, that can sell being a contender next year, that can sell returning a lot of pieces on offense, and that can sell being versatile on defense with guy with positions that have a lot of flexibility and I think there's a lot to like and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of programs lose a lot more than West Virginia and I think you're in a really good spot 
I say this on January 11th and not August 11th, obviously, but right now you are in a good spot roster-wise to compete going forward. Yeah, and I think there's a little speculation that maybe Aubrey Burks would be a player that leaves, but he stays. He played very well for West Virginia this year, graded out pretty well in most of his games. And then in replacing Mike Lockhart, you get you go out and you get a guy like TJ Jackson from Troy, Neil Brown's old team. Let's see if he could fill the gap there for the Mountaineers. Yeah, they. I think this year the difference was there was a lot more addition than there was subtraction. Portal-wise, you lose some guys, but you brought in a bunch of guys. Um, brought in the guy from – I forget the school, but he's the FCS three-time All-American. You bring Gardner him in Webb. to come off the edge. Gardner Webb, yeah. yeah. Bring him in to come off the edge. You get TJ Jackson. Um, you lose Lee Koba to eligibility, but then you bring you still got Ben Cutter. Trey Lathan's coming back. You bring Robert. in the guy from Ohio State. Trotter's coming back. Yeah, you've got Trotter coming back. It's the places where you're losing. You're not losing a big number of people, and you've got guys there to come in and try and fill the void as much as you can. Yeah, I I think there's obviously always room to improve. I think if you're West Virginia secondary, like you can run thin easily out there, and I think they experienced that at times this year because those guys were playing a lot of snaps back there. Um, I think also defensive line, like Eddie V played really well in that bowl game. Sean Martin's coming back. Like Sean Martin, statistically, it seemed like he had a down year. I would say he would most likely agree with that, but he's coming back. And like just to get these guys and continue to get these guys in the building, like that is how you build a contender in a, in a league is you have guys, you have depth and you have dudes that know what they're doing. So if you have to be in a pinch and put guys in that aren't necessarily starters in August, but they have to play starter number volume of snaps in October, and November, they know what their role is. And you hear that so much about depth, 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 but it really is the biggest thing of, do you have reliable depth? And I think when you see when you don't have a lot of senior turnover, when you don't have a lot of transfer portal turnover, obviously still early and there's the still the spring transfer portal window. Like there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong transfer portal wise for West Virginia. You keep your quarterback, you keep your offensive line, you keep your weapons. Like that is a big deal if you're the Mountaineers. Yeah. And I think a big thing for West Virginia is keeping a bunch of those freshmen guys like Rodney Gallagher, Jaheim White, but you do lose James Hurd, who Neil Brown planned on redshirting for physical maturity. He goes to Syracuse. That's like the only real loss in the freshman class that was very strong this year. Yeah, it's definitely the key was keeping the freshmen as well as a lot of the pieces on offense. Like you said, keep Garrett, um, keep the O-line, who played really well this year. And then you keep the guys that were backing up, the guys that are leaving. Jaquay Hubbard came in this year and played really well. Um, and then you even keep Nico to solidify that spot for the future. So it's it's a big offseason for West Virginia. You kept the guys that you've needed to keep so far, so far. Can't say, can't say much until spring ball, but so far they've kept who needs to be kept. 
Yeah, so far so good, and that's all you can ask for. To the Nico point, he went 2-0 against two Power 5 teams technically in Pitt and Texas Tech, so you've got to give him that nod. But yeah, just to kind of start wrapping this up, for me the biggest thing is that you have positive momentum and you won nine games. It's hard to win nine games. I don't care who you're playing, what league you're playing in. Nine wins is an impressive feat, and it's even more impressive when all of the pressure and if you're Neil Brown, like everyone was pointing pointing the finger at him. And they were saying it's now or never. And he he shut people up in more ways than one. He he told people like in July in Big 12 Media Days, he was like, we're not 14th. You guys made a mistake. And he went out there and didn't just say that. He he walked the walk after he talked the talk. And that's pretty, pretty dang impressive if you if you're a West Virginia supporter, because you have to be grateful that. You have a guy that's going to go out there and support you, but then he's also like trusting in his guys. And I think that's a big thing, especially in this whole craziness of college athletics of trusting your guys. And you can see the trust. And to the freshman class point, like there was a, like a three, four game stretch down in November where it seemed like every first drive script involved Traylon Ray, Rodney Gallagher, and Jaheim White. And they're all going to be back next year. And they're all true sophomores and they're all going to have a long off season of growth and that year one to year two jump can possibly be the biggest one. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is you return a lot of pieces on offense for a really good offense. And if you can kind of just take that next step up on defense, plug holes, fill gaps, continue to develop, then we're having a lot of different conversations heading into August, September of next year. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Neil Brown just completely earned the trust back of a lot of West Virginia fans and he's backed that up in the transfer part portal so far defense was in question sometimes during the season like Houston Oklahoma State and just Oklahoma but he goes he gets a bunch of guys in the transfer portal so far on defense usually besides Xavier Bosley and Jaden Bray and just to fill gaps fill holes and just try to build for next season yeah it's the thing that uh, I think a lot of West Virginia West Virginia fans had always wondered was they've seen Neil be able to recruit very well. He's brought in guys a lot, but then the question was, what can Neil do recruiting wise after he does, after he has a season like this, where he gets nine wins. And we're seeing that right now with the guys he's able to go get in the portal, the guys that aren't leaving to go to the portal that are staying in Morgantown. Um, he proved a lot this year, and he definitely proved a lot of people wrong, and he changed a lot of minds. So I'm excited to see what Neil's able to do next year with the target on his back coming off of a season like this. Yeah, and I think as much as people want to gripe about these star ratings and these recruiting class numbers, like let's talk about Michigan. They just won a national championship. They had two five-stars on their roster. If you can develop players and you can kind of get people to buy in, that goes a long way when you're in year two, year three, year four of these dudes' career. And you're starting to get to that with a lot of these guys on West Virginia's roster. So I think that'll be an interesting step as we move forward. So I promised these guys we wouldn't talk about basketball today. We will get into that soon. It is 2024, and we will be back with more podcasts, whether it is one of us, two of us, or all three of us. I promise you that. And I'm not just saying that this time. I truly do mean it. So if you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. For Patrick Renau, Ryan Roddy, and myself, Wesley Shoemaker, we appreciate uh, whether you see us on YouTube or listening to us on a platform. And this is the Blue Gold Sports Podcast.